Hello. Good evening. It's, uh, this is Donovan Menard. And, uh, you know, it's a new year. It's 2021. You know, they, they just, they, the years keep on passing. First it's 2020, then it's 2021. Before you know it, it's going to be 2022. Blink of an eye. But, uh, hey, nothing wrong with that. Because uh, the more the more time passes, the more closer we get to a post-COVID era. But, uh, well, how about we just jump right into the politics, shall we? So uh, today's topic is a series of events in Bolivia that occurred over the past uh, year or two. I mean, they started in 2019. But uh, the big thing that's kind of dominating the news cycle right now here in the United States of America is, of course, the January 6th violent insurrection uh, and attack on the Capitol building by a mob of Trump supporters coming right from a rally where uh, Trump uh, instructed them to go march to the Capitol. Uh, it's caused a lot of controversy and a lot of panic. Uh, I'd say rightly so. There was quite a bit of violence. Several people died. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, racism and just other forms of hatred on display. Um, there are some, I think, unreasonable media reactions to it. Uh, I've heard a lot of people sort of deifying the government and our politicians uh, in an, a bit of a weird way. I, I've repeatedly heard Congress referred to as a sacred place, which I just don't quite like. I don't really like the idea that, you know, the sacred place is for politicians only. No, none of those uh, filthy common people. Just not quite the sentiment. Uh, I want to hear about the government because they've done a lot of, they've done a lot of bad, you know? I'm not a, necessarily an anti-government person in general. I think it's very necessary to have one. But I think the United States government deserves quite a bit of uh, strong criticism. And uh, I've also heard, you know, this is an attack on our democracy, which... I think is accurate in the sense that these people wanted to overturn the democratic process and, you know, keep Donald Trump in power. You know, it definitely looked like a revolution in imagery, but, you know, in essence, it's just these people, they want their little, uh, I mean, basically run-of-the-mill, you know, policy-wise, run-of-the-mill Republican leader to stay in power. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty stinky goal. But... I don't quite like the implication that the United States is the beacon of democracy that it so often claims to be. And uh, that's why we're talking about a coup in Bolivia that the United States backed. Now, I think this is something that doesn't get talked about nearly enough or as much as it should in the media today. Uh, and a lot of people don't know about it. It's not necessarily... Sorry. It's not necessarily their fault. I didn't really know that uh, the U.S. really had like such a consistent practice of, you know, attacking democracy in Latin America and 
you know, putting their own puppet leaders in power until about a year ago. It was not uh, really taught to us in high school history classes. Um, and it's something that I think people are largely apathetic about. Um, so, yeah, the the events here in America on January 6th have often been called a coup. I mean, I think it's reasonable to call it a coup attempt, but coup is not quite accurate because uh, these people didn't really have any major institutional backing. And they also didn't clearly have a, a very strong plan to actually take control of the government uh, once they got into the Capitol building. But the coup we're going to talk about in Bolivia did have the backing of institutions and the leaders of many countries, uh, as well as, of course, corporations and all that. So uh, what do you say? We dive right into it. Now, let's get started with a little bit of context. So uh, Evo Morales is a socialist leader who was elected president of Bolivia in 2005. He's the first indigenous president of Bolivia, which is a pretty big deal because Bolivia has a very significant indigenous population. Morales's left-wing economic policies lowered poverty and income inequality and improved infrastructure. His political party is called MAS, meaning a Movement Towards Socialism. Uh, it's an indigenous political party founded in the 1990s. And since 2004, MAS has dominated pretty much every election by a large margin. And voter turnout has gone up to around 90%, which is pretty darn good. Under Morales, a new constitution was ratified, and it's quite something. Here are just uh, some of the points made. Uh, it emphasizes indigenous rights, gender rights, and of course, labor rights, uh, you know, to strike and to form unions. It deemed food, water, education, health care, and housing, as well as other basic services to be human rights. And uh, it also stated that all organizations have an obligation to protect the environment. It had uh, an anti-imperialist military policy, uh, saying that no foreign military bases will be on Bolivian soil, and that Bolivia is a pacifist state. Uh, it also nationalized resources. This is a pretty good one. Uh, so basically, resources in Bolivia are considered the property of the Bolivian people, uh, and they should be distributed by the state in the collective interest of the population. Also, in 2010, the Law of the Rights of Mother Earth was passed in Bolivia, declaring that Mother Earth, as well as ecosystems, have rights, and prioritizing respect the environment at a time when capitalist nations continue to profit from unsustainable and damaging practices with no regard or concern for the environment. So, you know, these Bolivians under the indigenous and socialist leadership definitely had their uh, priorities in the right place. Uh, Morales was re-elected repeatedly, and uh, in 2019, he wanted to run for a fourth term. He had previously tried to make this uh, constitutional with a proposed amendment, but that narrowly lost. 
So MAS petitioned the Constitutional Court to abolish term limits. The Constitutional Court accepted this at the time and allowed Morales to be a candidate for election again. Which, uh, you know, this move has been pretty controversial. Uh, I personally think, you know, it might have been more wise for Morales to just have another uh, member of the MAS party run who he endorses. Um, but to be fair, a lot of people have tried to sort of smear him as a dictator, you know, or a tyrant. And it's important to know, you know, he, he's still committed to running in a, you know, completely democratic, free and fair election for his fourth term. This is not him, like, declaring himself emperor for life, but this went on to be used as, like, one of the main arguments against him by his opponents. So, in the 2019 election, Morales won by a margin greater than 10% when all the votes were counted. However, allegations of election fraud were spread around due to a gap in reporting of votes at a point when Morales's victory margin was under 10%, meaning the election would go to a runoff. Uh, at this point, there were several right-wing protests against Morales, um, and they were reported by a lot of media outlets, including uh, American media. Um, Morales asked for an audit of the vote count, saying he'd be willing to do a runoff election if evidence of fraud was found. Now, this is where a lot of powerful neoliberal institutions saw an opportunity to cast doubt on Morales' legitimacy and, you know, stage a regime change. Classic little uh, neoliberal move right there. Uh, and it's important to remember, Morales had shown himself as a successful socialist leader and a staunch opponent of imperialism and multinational corporations. At this time, he was planning to nationalize Bolivia's lithium for the people. It's also important to note that Elon Musk wanted lithium to further enrich his company and even tweeted that he's willing to coup whoever he wants when the topic of the Bolivian coup was brought up. Several large media networks, including American media outlets like the Washington Post and the New York Times, reported a claim that the election was fraudulent. And despite the lack of solid evidence of fraud, media reporting of it helped make the claim seem legitimate and helped paint the right-wing protests of the election as a people's uprising for democracy and also painted Morales as a tyrant, leading the leaders of many countries to request that Morales step down from the presidency. Uh, so basically, this media reporting helped manufacture consent for international support of a right-wing coup. The Bolivian military, backed by the United States, asked Morales to resign, even though he agreed to do a completely new election. At this point, party members, as well as family members of Morales, had been harassed, threatened, kidnapped, or even killed by anti-Morales protesters and militants. Evo stepped down and left the country since he didn't want the violence to continue, but he insisted that the event was a coup. Uh, Janine Añez declared herself the interim president of Bolivia, 
and at her swearing in, she held up a Bible and said, Never again will Pachamama return to the presidential palace. Now, Pachamama is an indigenous deity, so this was basically her inciting hatred of the indigenous population. Uh, she also removed indigenous flags from the presidential palace. And over the course of this regime change, journalists were threatened, union members were brutalized, uh, indigenous hatred was spread, and uh, in the end, 50 people were killed. Uh, anyone who wasn't police, military, or right-wing was in danger of being violated. Patricia Arce, an indigenous MAS mayor, uh, got kidnapped and attacked and harassed by white-wing pro- sorry, right-wing protesters. Uh, and the United States, Canada, and the EU officially recognized this right-wing interim government. Uh, they also definitely use rhetoric that painted them as just people fighting for democracy, you know? Uh, and, I mean, people who were sort of impartial to this would certainly kind of just go along with that, which is probably a, a large reason why this isn't given as much attention as it should have. Uh, with Morales exiled and far-right forces in power, Añez attempted to delay the subsequent election twice, citing COVID-19 concerns. But uh, when the second delay was proposed, Bolivian workers' unions and indigenous groups protested, striked, and blocked off roads, threatening to seal off the capital city of the, if the election wasn't reinstated. And uh, by bringing the nation's economy to a standstill, the interim government was forced to hold the election. So, things are kind of looking up here. And it gets even better. We get a bit of a, a bit of a happy ending. The election had a turnout of 88%, and Luis Arce, the MAS candidate, uh, in a way of sort of like the replacement for Morales, since he actually wasn't allowed to run in elections anymore. Uh, Arce won by a huge lead. He got 55% of votes, while Mesa, who was a candidate of the coup government, lost uh, by 26 percentage points down from Arce. And by this point, many media organizations had backtracked on their reporting of the election uh, as fraudulent, and um, the events of the 2019 election had come to be recognized more widely as a coup in other countries not really by capitalist world leaders, but by left-wing figures such as Bernie Sanders and Jeremy Corbyn and the like. Uh, the indigenous people of Bolivia, through their persistence and willingness to strike, protest, and hold the economy hostage, had restored the election and democratically returned the Socialist Party to power. So how about that? I think we can really take Bolivia's example as a successful socialist nation, which has shown that its priorities are in a much better place than many other countries by emphasizing anti-imperialism, indigenous rights, labor rights, and nationalization of resources for the people of their country rather than for wealthy and corrupt corporations. This also shows us that the United States is still, unfortunately, willing to back far-right coups against any successful left-wing leader with the purposes of toppling socialism 
as well as gaining access to economically valuable resources in foreign countries. It's very clear that the U.S. believes that they have some kind of exceptional authority and deserve access to any less significant companies' resources for the enrichment of their own corporations. Any country that makes the seemingly reasonable move to enrich their own people with their own resources is deemed a threat, and the U.S. will help overthrow their leadership by any means necessary, while the media paints it as spreading democracy. Now, uh, let's think once again about the panic that was caused by the riot in D.C. on January 6th. So imagine that. Except the rioters were backed by the military and by several foreign nations. The violence was increased tenfold, and the coup was successful. That's just a basic idea of the type of thing the United States does to other countries every couple years. And it gets uh, almost zero media attention. If you're interested in learning more about America's disgusting and violent foreign policy, I recommend reading the book Who Rules the World by Noam Chomsky. In general, it's important to understand the chaos and violence that the USA has brought to other countries, and I think if we all pay more attention to this type of thing, make sure we don't let our elected leaders get off the hook for supporting it in any circumstance, we may be able to make some change. So that's about it for today, folks. Keep it spicy out there. Stay safe. Uh, yes. Uh, I don't know. I don't feel like I gotta say one more phrase to sign off. Kind of. Hmm. Let me think about this. Farewell. <laughs>